Hi everybody and welcome to the Junction Church Podcast. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. If you would like to find out any more information about us, then please visit our website at www.thejunctionchurch.com. Thank you for listening. This week, which is um, The Passion. Now, um, it's about, it's kind of like, um, it's often done in the Catholic Church, but The Passion is, it's a, we're studying about the week of... Um, a week before Jesus went to the cross, now, um, he came to earth in human flesh to die for our sin, but there's yeah. something special about the week in which yeah. leads up to that. Yeah. And our key scripture is in Hebrews 12, in, in verse 1. I'm going to read the first few verses for you. Um, and I'm also going to go to Matthew 21 in a bit as well. So, um, like Kevin used a lot of scripture this morning, I don't like to do that. I say a, little, I say a lot from a little bit of scripture, so I've got nine verses Nine verses, all right? Is that okay for everyone? Nine verses, okay. I'm going to read the first three um, just now. So, therefore, we also, since we are such surrounded by a, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And my installment in the series is called The Passion. Um, and it's funny because the last time I spoke in the Suit Up series, I seemed to get the, the title message of the, the series. So this morning, um, I would encourage you to get the podcast. It was an amazing message from Pastor Kevin. Speaking about the purpose now, um, that was a triumphal entry of him, of Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Now, before he was hiding from the crowds, before he didn't want to be um, basically manhandled and forced to be king by the Jewish people, then he comes in in this donkey prophesied in Zechariah 9 and 9, and he basically comes and he's basically like putting himself on the forefront for everyone to see. And then the first thing he does when he comes in, is go to church. And I think there's something significant about that. When Jesus displays who he is, for everyone to see, the first thing he does is go to church. So I'm speaking about the passion, and the working definition of passion is, to kind of like summarize everything you'll read in the dictionary, is it's the willingness to suffer for what you love. The willingness to suffer for what you love. And God loves his church, not just the, the big C church or the, the institution of church, but he loves everyone in the church as individuals as well. And there's an account in Matthew 21, um, and I'll spend a lot of my time here, um, where Jesus is going into the temple. And I'll read from verse 12. Then Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of money changers and, and the seats of those who sold doves. And he said to them, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. Then the blind and lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. But when the chief priests and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple saying, Hosanna, the son of David, they were indignant and said to him, do you hear what these are saying? And Jesus said to them, yes, have you never read? Out of the mouth of babes and nursing infants, you have perfected praise. Then he left them 
went out the city to Bethany and he lodged there. So we're talking about the passion tonight. And I don't know who's in this room like me, but I have a great passion for winning. (laughs) I mean, if you're going to choose, why would you not choose to win? I mean, it's scriptural. I mean, come on, we are, we are more than conquerors for, for him who loves us. We are the head and not the tail. We are above and not beneath. God wants us to win. And more importantly, God wants me to win more than you. So I like to win. And um, the thing about winning is um, I'm quite conscious about the rules as well because I don't want anything to tarnish my own victory. I don't want anything to aid your victory. So... I, whenever I'm playing a game, I'll always go to the rules. And, um, and uh, back when I was in, in school age, I used to play uh, competitive football. Um, when I was in my teen years, um, after I took a break in my primary school, I don't know if anyone here can relate to this, but I was growing so fast that my brain was trying to catch up with how the legs worked. So I couldn't really dribble with the ball until I stopped growing in height. Um, but, but then after I started to play uh, competitive football, and um, I got nicknamed Animal in my senior year at secondary school. For a few reasons, that I was fast, strong, and an insane balance. But more importantly, I went in tackles really hard. <laughs> but the, but the, the interesting thing is, which you might be surprised by, is I never got booked once. I mean, I could clean people out, and I would get the ball, and the ref would be like, but, you know, it's, it's legal. They want to blow their whistle because the guy's in pain, but, <laughs> but they couldn't. But that, that was just me, and I, I used to just go, and I'd be worse whenever I, I was in a losing team, and my tackles just get harder and harder. And um, I actually have a scar on my leg from all the sliding challenges I used to do. I'm not going to show you, because that wouldn't be the best use of our time here together. But, but I used to do that, um, and then now, then when I, um, since now I'm a Jesus follower, and I've calmed down a bit... Um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I tend to go in goals when I feel our team is losing just to, because that's where the most mistakes are made and also I'm not going to be as dangerous in goals. So I, I hold myself back and, uh, and I'd like to think that it kind of sort of dissipated as I grew as a believer. But, you know, as part of our young adults, we play a lot of competitive games, one being Uno and one being this um, charade game. What, Manuel, what's it called again? Time's, time's out. Time's out, time's out. So we had times out, and, um, and uh, the, on, over the Christmas period, we were in uh, um, Kevin and Cheryl's house um, with our young adults, and, and Heidi and I like to go on opposite teams and compete against each other, because we kind of think that we can find a better teammate than each other, or, or is that just you? I think it's just you. But, um, but So we were in against each other, and then Heidi's team are breaking the rules. So then, because I want to win, and I'm being fair... We have like a full-on domestic in front of the people we're supposed to be leading because marriage is about winning. Oh, wait a minute. (laughs) But I like to win. Winning is fun, and I'm passionate about winning, and I just love to win because it feels good. But in this room, we're filled with a plethora of people from different backgrounds, from different experiences who like to win, or rather, you like to win at life by doing the things that you love. Everyone here has passions, and sometimes it's not about the expression. Sometimes we have to tell our face, but really, we, all of us have things that we're passionate about. Um, I'm not sure how legal this is, so I'm going to use this as a small illustration. Um, there's somebody that I know who built um, a small, 
much small. It's about three meters long. It's a, it's a cannon that fires fruit, potatoes, um, and I'm not sure how legal this is or who's listening to, but for the, for the purpose of my talk, I'm just going to call him Sandy. So, so Sandy, he's, he's made this massive potato cannon. But this, this, this potato cannon is a child of passion. It's a child of somebody's interest, somebody's verve, somebody's um, interest in building something really fun to use. So if you're taking notes, I encourage you to do so. I'm going to give you three P's of passion. Does that sound easy to remember? Three P's of passion. So the three P's of passion are to purge, to pursue, and to perfect. Say that back to me. Purge. Now, you'll never really say that in a sentence, will you? It's the only P I could think of. Um, uh, to pursue and to perfect. So the first one is to purge, which basically means to get rid of things that get in the way. Hebrews 12 says this in verse 1. I'll read the first part. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, here it is, lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. We lay aside everything that holds us back. So in Sandy, when when he was making his potato cannon, the first time I saw these videos, it was dark and you couldn't really see much, but you did see a flash. So he was against the elements. He was against the daylight. He was against the rain. But he laid those things aside. He could have been, in, he could have been inside doing a more weather-appropriate task, like playing Netflix, playing, watching Netflix, playing Xbox. There we go. I've got it. <laughs> playing the Xbox. But he decided to go out into um, some back garden and just fire this thing which wakes up neighbors and all this sort of stuff. So he got rid of things that were in the way. So that's what we do when we're passionate about things, when we love things. There's things that we'll just get rid of because there's something we're going after. The second P is to pursue. Simple enough. It means to go after the goal. And I love this. And it says in the second part of that first verse, it says here, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. You see, our passions cause us to set a goal in front of us. We set something in front of us and we go towards it. We're going after something. And we see that in all areas of our lives, all areas that we, we, um, we ever go through, we have something we set ourselves to. No matter how big the size the goal is, we still go for it. So when the potato cannon was being made, he knew there was a design. He knew there was a, a function that he wanted to um, accomplish. And so he was going after it and he didn't ma- it didn't matter what kind of schedule he had. He just wanted to get this project. And then Sandy completed this project and launched many videos and many potatoes into fields and, and uh, lands beyond. <laughs> but there's one more P of this pursuit, um, of, this, um, of this passion. And it's this word... Perfect. Now, this basically means to reassess and reapproach. I'll read from verse 2 in Hebrews 12. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. So, reassess and reapproach. Now, I've had many conversations with Sandy 
And Sandy, he was looking at the perfect amount of the volume and concentration to, of oxygen and propellant to then ignite this thing to get the optimum distance. And I'm not sure if he's thought about dispersion rates and any spread and all that in terms of accuracy, but I can probably imagine that would occupy his next week. But, <laughs> but then there's a perfecting, there's a, there's a reassessing. We look at the things that we do well and we want to see how can I tweak them. You, know, you can go to the skate parks and they'll be trying kickflips and other things and then they're not quite getting it. But how can they reassess what they do to complete the trick? How can they reassess what they're, going, what they're, what they're, um, what they're taking part in to get the best out of it? It's a perfecting. But the thing about our passions is that they're kind of open to, if they're based on our own preferences, they're perishable. And what I mean by that is that they're subject to things like time um, and they're subject to things like um, opposition as well. I remember um, back in our leadership training, Route 66, where um, Pastor Cheryl was talking about, talking about how to um, engage with younger kids and engage with um, fam- and kids in family life. And, and she's telling a story about um, Boaz um, approaching her with this interesting genre of music. And she's like, oh, mom, listen to this album. And she's like, oh, what is this? It's, uh, it's dubstep. <laughs> she's like, dubstep? Okay. Um, all right, so then she didn't quite get but But um, this time, Boaz is like, dubstep is amazing. But how many people know that things change over time? <laughs> we often change our moods with, that, with what's in, what's, fa- what's in right now. And we go with with fads and trends, and, and these things change. And, and also, if we're passionate about things like sport, you know, where our body can't perform at the same rate on the whole of our lives, and our passion begins to dwindle, life happens, and then we decide to put things to the side based on the perishable, perishableness of what we're wanting to do. So the passions in our lives sometimes dwindle. But there's a passion of Jesus which stands quite distinct. Now... You're like me, I sometimes look at scripture and say, I look at, try and look at the character of the person that is, that, um, that is being spoken about now. Jesus, he is perfect, he doesn't sin, and since he's 100% God and 100% man, yeah. his 100% God has to do all things to a purpose. Yeah. So there must be a purpose for his passion. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that we, when we believe in him, should not perish, like our passion sometimes, but have eternal life. Something that will last forever. So the passion of Jesus is a bit different from our passions. The passion of Jesus actually leads to greater life. And in Matthew 21, if you don't know the background of the story, basically what happens is Jesus goes in to cleanse the temple. Malachi 3 talks about this and he says that he's like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. In other words, he's going to do some work. He's going to clear some things out that don't quite fit where he wants the church to be, don't quite fit where he wants to take the people in the church and the people in the nations of the world. There's something that doesn't quite fit. So we're going to look at the passions of Jesus. And Jesus His first passion, he purges. And what does Jesus, the passion of Jesus, purge? It purges sin. So I kind of read, I was reading this and I was kind of picturing the scene. Jesus without sin, 
And he's driving people out. So I'm saying, he didn't, I don't, it's not said there in the scripture, but nobody was physically hurt. But his passion, there was something about Jesus. And me and I was like, whoa, dude. And they just left. There was something about Jesus that drove everyone out. There's something about Jesus said that we can't stand against this man. This guy means business. It says this in verse 12. It says, and Jesus went into the temple of God and drove out all those who bought and sold in the temple and overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold doves. Now, the money changers... Basically, these guys were traders, and um, there was a few different kinds of currency, and there was currency with pagan symbols on it. So to justify the trading in this time, they would change the money over to represent something that would be considered as holy. So it would be like they would go and try and buy something, and then they look at their money, like, oh no, they're they're pagan pounds. We only take divine dollars, so we'll (laughs) trade them over. So then you can buy all the things in the wares that you like. And they're like, yes, I'll take, I'll give you my pagan pounds, and I'll take the divine dollars, and my sin is just, it's it's fine. But then, I just looked at Jesus and how he turned all these things over, because he doesn't want any substitute for the real thing. He doesn't want any substitute in his house. Nobody's trading for illicit gain or selfish gain in this house. He wants it to be pure and for its original purpose. So he, he, he shuts everything down. And when I look at that and the passion of Jesus to get rid of any imitations or, or any um, justifications, where in our lives we made those kind of excuses or um, justifications in our own hearts? I've spoken to many people and they say things like, I don't lie, I tell white lies. <laughs> Is it true? Well, not really, but then it's a lie then, isn't it? But we can repackage things yes. to make it suit in our own kind of ethos, our own kind of comfort. But God's saying, don't waste your time with that. He wants to restore his temple yeah. to truth. He wants to restore it to its original function. And, his first, and the next P in the, um, the passion is to pursue. And what does Jesus pursue? He pursues purpose. His purpose was to restore the temple to its original function. So then after Jesus has his rampage, he goes into and says this in verse 13. He said, And he said to them, It is written, My house shall be a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. To give you a bit of background there, he's basically Bible bashing them. He's quoting, he's quoting prophets um, that have spoken, have spoken previously about what God's house has. And then um, that was Isaiah 56 and 7. Then he talks about um, what it's become, which is Jeremiah 7. And it's all basically going back to this whole full circle of fulfilling the scripture, fulfilling the law. And these people should know better. So he's saying to them, this is what it's supposed to be, but here is what it is. So Jesus was so, he was so um, focused about doing this, about getting back to the right value, the right place and the right um, condition of the church. He wanted to see people come in and be saved and people to connect with God. And in, in a house like this, in a church like this, the, the purpose is for people to be able to connect with God. 
There's no room for anybody to try and get the one up or any, on anyone or trade things to keep people down. This is a house of prayer. This is a house of freedom. This is a house where people connect to God. So ultimately speaking, anything that's in the way of that, Jesus would just say, that's not what it's for. Yeah. Basic working definition of sin is basically anything that misses the mark of God. Yeah. And God sets the mark. Anything that doesn't go by God's purposes misses his mark. But there's a good news that Jesus restores all things. Like Kevin was saying this morning about when we make him king, he restores all these things in our lives. So this is a place where we can find God. This is a place where we can pray. This is a place where we can learn about God. This is a place where we can grow in relationship with him and one another as well. And the last P in the pursuit triangle, sorry, in the, in the um, passion triangle, that's what I'm talking about, is perfect. Now, Jesus perfects our lives. And this is, this is huge to me. In verse 14, I, I read this, and if you take into account the, the verses before it, where he drives out the people, he, he tells them what the house is supposed to be, and this Listen in verse 14 and I'll read it. It says, then, everyone say then. Then the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. It's like, wow. So there there was so much stuff and activity going on, but no one was in the place to get healed. There was so many things, people were benefiting, but people that were lame and had infirmities that God really wanted to reach couldn't be reached because of the things that were going on. And I read that, it's like, wow. And where, and as a leader, this challenges me. If, if, if I'm not reaching the same people that Jesus reached, then maybe I'm not preaching the same message Jesus preached. If I'm not the church that invited people who actually needed God and needed healing, needed restoration, then maybe there's something we need to shift. Maybe there's something that we need to awaken in ourselves. Maybe there's something we need to let God into restore. People should be able to come into these doors with whatever they've got. I'll close with this. Um, Years ago when I was training... There's a saying, an adage when we were trained. And the adage is that you leave your ego at the door. So basically, because people would get um, sometimes, sometimes like prideful, hyped up, and it would affect the way they learned, affect the way they could even like hurt one another training partner. So then they're less effective as what they're supposed to be doing. So you leave your ego at the door. And I've heard people say that in church as well. And, but to say that in church, I mean, if this is a house of prayer, if this is a house of seeking God, if this is a house where people can bring everything to God, then why would you want to leave anything at the door? So we can take it up again when we leave? Yeah. Sometimes we can play that game where we have a split personality. We have the person that we think God wants. Then we have the person that we are Monday to Saturday over here. But God wants our whole lives. God inhabits our whole lives. You see, when we live with God, there's nothing that's hidden from Him. And in John, um, 
John 2, there's an account where he does this as well, where he cleans the temple. And this next time, um, there's, there's this whole, like there's, like um, in verse 15, he says people were indignant that he was, people, he was healing people. And people were finding freedom. And people were experiencing a greater life. But Jesus, he's not, a, he's, he, he's not somebody that picks and chooses you in your good day. He's not somebody that picks and chooses when to heal you, when to bless you based on your performance. When you come to him, you can bring your whole self to him. In fact, if you have a bad day or you bring a bad atmosphere with you, bring it into church with you. I'm not saying, I'm not, um, I'm not, abdic- I'm not, um, I'm not um, encouraging any uh, sort of airing your dirty laundry. I'm not in public. I'm not saying that. Who I am encouraging is you saying, bring yourself to God. Everything you have, when you bring it into God, He actually makes everything whole. He makes your lives whole. Now, testimony is a result of you bringing something broken and putting into the hands of a Savior. If you put your life into the hands of a Savior, you will see great things. You'll have a testimony which no enemy, nobody will be ever able to, to um, ever lie about or ever, ever de- devalue in your life because that is a testimony. It's something that's written, written in your heart that can't be undone. By no fear, by no doubt, when God has done something, God has done something permanent in our lives. And it's on us to bring people to this place, this house of prayer, so people can find God, so people can find freedom in this house. The good news is that we can all come to Jesus. We can all come with our, with our broken lives, our fragmented lives, and He puts them together, making them whole. Come on, church. This is good news. Anything that we think is broken, He can put back together. We bring our whole selves to Him. We bring our lives to Him. And He restores you. He perfects you. Because he's pursued you with his love. He bought you with his blood. So you can have a perfect union with him. Any area of your life is now perfect. Because he makes you perfect. Not perfect by works. You're perfect by receiving his presence. You're perfect by receiving his love. By walking in his steps. By being led by his spirit. That's what makes us perfect. That's what makes us distinct, holy, set apart. That's what does it. Not what we do, but what he does through us. And we're the church who rises, not based on what we do. Not based on how good we feel, but rather how good he is. God is a good God. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.thejunctionchurch.com. God bless.